It's AC Primetime Radio. My name is Mel Taylor, and we are broadcasting live from the Playground Pier. And uh, joining us here on AC Primetime Radio, we are talking to Councilman at Large for the City of Atlantic City, Mr. Frank Gilliam, Jr. Welcome, Frank. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me, Mel. Thank you for uh, allowing me to get this opportunity to see this great space. Is it a good thing or is it a little weird to have a fishbowl where people can walk by Bart Blatstein's place here at the playground while they're shopping, maybe grabbing something from Starbucks, and they look in and they go, hey, wait, isn't that Frank Gilliam, Jr.? I, I think that this is one of the, the, the highlights of the operation. Um, again, I'm not a star by any means, but imagine some of the performers or the various entertainers and things that come in and out of the city that do have that star status. And being able to basically have uh, opportunity to walk by and also listen to an interview live is pretty much, you know what I mean, something unprecedented in Atlantic City. It was just two years ago, maybe, and I saw you on that very first opening night of the Playground Pier, and you were up there with Bart, and you pulled back the curtain, and it was an exciting time. Time. How did you even get started with working with side by side with Bart Blatstein, the developer of the of the pier right here at Playground Pier? Well, it's interesting. Um, again, I uh, visit Philly. I enjoy the fact that Philadelphia is only uh, 45 minutes away. So before I even met Bart, I was actually utilizing the, some of the benefits that Northern Liberty had. I, uh, the Piazza used to go check out the Sixers games, uh, a couple of the restaurants. Ironically, uh, it was a gentleman that. He came to me and said, hey, what do you think about this concept? This guy did a piazza. So he basically pulled his cell phone out, and lo and short of it, it was Bart's place. He was like, would you be willing to actually do something like this in the city? I said, absolutely. So uh, it was a gentleman um, who sat on the planning board, Dave, who had a, uh, grew up with Bart. We started to uh, converse, and long and short end of it, he ended up making that connection. I uh, met with Bart uh, at his home in Margate, and we began to talk. And he said, Frank, you sound like the type of politician, the type of guy that I wouldn't mind basically doing some business with because you see the vision of Atlantic City, and that's how it actually spawned. Yeah, it was really, really nice because it's not easy to start a business here in Atlantic City, is it? No, absolutely not. But I think and why, that, and why is that, though? Is it because it, it's a big city, casinos are involved, the state's involved, the county's involved, or was it the past of, of, I, of Atlantic City that kind of made you jump through hoops? I think a multitude of things. I think that there are some uh, old ways that need to be changed. Some new blood basically brings in different vision. I think that also that once you have everyone understanding what that particular vision is, things become better. For a long time, uh, the town was just more or less labeled as a gaming town. So if something, anything different came before folks, they were just not interested because gaming had pretty much saturated the mindset of people. Tell us about Frank Gilliam Jr., your, your background, your family, because most people just see about you in the paper or they see you up on city council with the big giant gavel and you look pretty <laughs> imposing, And but they don't, they, ever, they don't really get to know the real Frank Gilliam Jr. And you brought your son here. Why don't we introduce uh, Frank Gilliam Jr. the third? Frank Gilliam third. Hi. And let people know who you are and why you're here today. I'm Frank Gilliam the third, and this is Bring Your Child to Work Day. What were you doing uh, earlier today? Well, we went to see Stockton have a presentation about them coming to Atlantic City, and then we had a lunch meeting. 
Wow. So what uh, we were talking a little bit about your future, and uh, this might lead into a, a question we have in a few minutes. There's so much development. There's so much land to be built in Atlantic City. You might uh, you might come in handy a few years from now if you go to school for what's what are you interested in going to school for? Architect and engineer. Architecture and engineering. Yep. So does your, your dad here think there's a big opportunity for builders and architects in Atlantic City moving forward? Yes, I believe so. Do you think he'll carve out a little piece of space that you can build? What would you build if he gave you a small little plot of land? What would you build if you had if you could do that? Well, of course you'd have to pass a city council vote, and your dad is not a shoe in for a positive vote because he's gonna right. Absolutely, you can't get a positive vote. You can't. You can't get by even on your dad. So, what would you build if you could build something right now? Come on, there has to be something. Mm, well, whatever I have to build. Very good. So tell us about your, uh, where were you born and raised, your school and your family life? Well, I'm, I'm a native of Atlantic City. Naturally, basically spent most of my life here. Um, I went to Atlantic City Public Schools, uh, graduated from Atlantic City High School, went on to Stockton um, to get my BA in criminal justice. I'm also a minor in African American history. Um, shortly thereafter, I went to the University of San Francisco and got my master's in social work. Um, played basketball, that's really what I'm known for as sports. But um, it's ironic how I got into the uh, political realm because uh, I had just finished a contract in Houston. And I came back to the city because uh, what we were doing in Harris County, Houston, Houston was we were revamping the recreational system to add edu educational components to it. So I thought that I had a bag of goodies that I could basically bring back to the city to actually enhance our record department and have our children basically more or less looking towards um, education more so than sports. So why did you uh, go for criminal um, criminal justice? Were you going to be a lawyer maybe? You thought about it? It's, it's another ironic story. I, I literally wanted to be a um, school teacher. Um, but when I went to Stockton, Stockton did not have the educational track. So by the time I actually was a junior, um, they introduced the educational track, but I was already halfway or maybe one third complete uh, the criminal justice track. So I didn't want to start all over, so I took criminal justice, um, but also had uh, interest in how the law and things worked of the land. So it was very much um, a good education either way. How big is your family? Um, I have four kids. I have a wife, happily married. For how um, long? For how long? 12 years. Wow, that's great. Congratulations. Absolutely. That's awesome. High, high school sweetheart. Nobody knows that about you. They always see uh, the tough Frank Gilliam, you know? Um, there, there, there I, was is, a little, I was a little nervous when you were coming in, man, because I only see one side yeah. of you. But maybe it's because you have to sit up there, you know, and you had it when you were council president. And even now, when you're, it's not easy being a, having a smile on your face when you're up there. <laughs> um, when, when, when the world is basically almost tumbling down on you, it's very difficult to smile. But being um, a person that understands that this job is... Uh, not for the faint at heart, and that sometimes you have to make the tough decisions that may make some people unhappy and make others happy. But you've always been uh, cool under pressure. I never, I've never seen you lose your cool up there. Although you look, um, you have that that way of looking at somebody to to, to you know stare them down a little bit. I, I'm, I'm a firm, I'm a firm believer that. Um, Tough you, love, you, tough you, love. You, 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 you allow people <laughs> to be what they are and who they are, and it's always something that I've basically lived by. Nothing is of waste. Everything is recyclable. How long and have you been a uh, councilman? I've been a councilman for um, seven years now. I'm on my second year of my um, second term. And what made you get into uh, public service? Well, what made me get into public service is when I came back and wanted to introduce this program to the city. Um, the administration at that particular time was opposed to it. 
And it's interesting because I was always taught that if you want to make a difference, you can't stand on the sidelines. You got to get in the game. And I was fairly, fairly disappointed when um, I thought I had something that could actually enhance the lives of the children as, a, as well as the uh, city recreational department. So I ended up uh, being told no. Um, that's not a good thing because no doesn't really resonate with me well, especially when it's something that I'm committed to do. Um, so I looked at the paper, and there was an article in the paper about councilmen at large positions. I said, well, if I can't basically get them to change it, I'll become someone boss and change it that way. So when you are doing your duties as a councilman at large for the city of Atlantic City, Frank Gilliam Jr. here on AC Primetime Radio. My name is Mel Taylor. And... Recently, one of the councilmen brought up the suggestion that everybody should take a 20% pay cut. Now, I did take a look, and I saw that Mr. Uh, Mr. Langford, Mayor Langford, back in the day was making 143. When Mr. Uh, Guardian came in, he decided to, to lower his. That's inaccurate. Former uh, Mayor Langford never made 143. But that number's um, in the paper, though, th right? Th that number was on the books, but he never took it. Uh, so, so let's let's make, make sure that I fully understand this. So, the one hundred and forty-three thousand dollars salary that was quoted, they claimed that Mr. Langford was getting, that was not true. Inaccurate. Okay. Inaccurate. What and, was that number? Do you know? Uh, the number the number that he was making was one hundred six. The number he was making was one hundred six. We ended up putting in um, an ordinance to raise the salary for mayor to one forty-three, but he never took it. You know what you're just saying? There's a <laughs> That's an eye-opener because everybody's talking about how, well, 143 down to 103. And this is not to slam anybody. This is just to say, holy mackerel. But again, that's, that's why it's important for folks to actually have facts on things before they print them. And it's also important that when readers are reading things, they make sure that they research and make sure what someone's telling them. Because again, we assume that people are giving accurate answers. And if you're not talking to the people that have those answers, you should not be printing those things because, again, putting fallacies out don't basically um, solve our problem. So the salary of a council person is twenty-seven five, twenty-seven thousand five hundred. Correct. And a twenty percent cut off of that doesn't seem like it's very much. It does not seem like it's very much, but it's significant. And I'm one of the first person to tell you that I'm not opposed to taking a haircut, if all takes a haircut. Like, you cannot basically segregate one small section of a, a business and say, okay, I'm going to cut an area that has $300,000 budget, right? So if all of City Hall took a 20% pay cut? By all means, that's what leaders do. Leaders set the precedent. You cannot actually segregate and say our problem will be solved by naturally going to an area that does not make significant impact on the budget. We're talking about a half a billion dollar deficit. But you're talking, you're talking about taking a pay cut where that number doesn't even basically equate to a drop in the bucket. Is there an area in Atlantic City, in the operations of Atlantic City, that there's still some fat? I know that you guys keep cutting there, there, and there, cutting and cutting. There, there's tons of fat in our budget. There's the fact that we need to be resizing and right-sizing and restructuring is a part of the issue. I'll be the first to tell you that I'm always going to be a fair individual. I'm always going to be respectful for the people that go out and put their lives on the line and people to come to work. But again, when the city has lost 20 billion readables, yeah. 8,000 jobs lost, facing one of the most 
horrific financial uh, crashes in the history of Atlantic City, you can't just segregate and say one department is going to solve the issue. You have to look at the thing in its entirety so that you can basically make an educated uh, decision on how and where you cut. We're talking to Frank Gilliam, Jr., Councilman at Large for the City of Atlantic City. My name is Mel Taylor. It's AC Primetime Radio. And, Frank, uh, Councilman uh, Gilliam, uh, how will all this stuff finally settle itself? What, what's your best educated guess when all the dust settles? How will Atlantic City pan out? Will we sing Kumbaya with Mr. Prieto and, um, you know, Governor Christie and Mayor Guardian? What do you think is eventually going to happen? I'm not willing to sing Kumbaya <laughs> with anyone that wants to take control of Atlantic City. I believe that municipalities was created for the purpose of running the city. The states were created for the purpose of running states. And feds were created for the purpose of running the federal. And I don't I never have seen in any of my research where a state ran a municipality better than what a municipality could do because they were never created to do the things that a municipality would do. Um, I don't b believe that Mr. Pareto or President Sweeney's philosophy basically fixes Atlantic City's problem because no one is actually talking about what the true problem is. There is a compromise somewhere in all of that, right? I, I don't. I have. I have yet to see a compromise. There's no compromise when you're saying you want to take my home. There's no compromise when you're saying you want to take my power. There's no compromise when you say you want to dictate and decide what should be done for Atlantic City when people have elected us to basically do their will. So I'm not open to the compromise, but what I am open to is a real human talk opposed to people talking down and all the arguing. I think that Atlantic City should be touting the fact that we are in bankruptcy. We're not moving towards bankruptcy. We're there. When you're not able to pay your bills, you're insolvent. And right now, the City Hall employees have not received a paycheck in about two weeks now, right? Absolutely, which is another problem. Because, again, you never pay Wall Street before you pay the people who work for you. You're talking about the bondholders. I'm talking about the bondholders. And I don't know where most folks come from, but when you are, for example, if I was in a job and I was bringing $4,000 home a, 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 a week, right, and I lost half of that, that means that I'm close to going into debt. You know what gets paid last? Credit cards get paid last because my water, food, and shelter comes first. So if you use that analogy and you basically place it on city's government, creditors get paid last. You cannot have a city talking about its closing or putting a burden on people who normally live paycheck to paycheck. There's no public work person that can afford a delay in their pay. They're only making eighteen to 20000 a year. We are talking to Frank Gilliam, Jr., Councilman at Large for the City of Atlantic City. And my name is Mel Taylor, and this is AC Primetime Radio. We're broadcasting live in the fishbowl. People walking by, looking in, going, what's going on in there? And we're here at Triax Media Studios on the beautiful Atlantic City Boardwalk. And this is uh, inside a playground pier right in front of Caesars Casino. Frank Gilliam Jr. and Frank Gilliam Jr. the third, right? Any he thoughts? Can be, he can't be Jr. the third. He can only be the third. You are the third. Any thoughts so far on this uh, in-depth conversation with your dad? Oh, well. You want to give us a, a recap on all this back and forth? You're taking notes, I see there. Well, 
the whole thing's kind of messed up, though, because, like, I think that we need to be able to rebuild somehow and just to be connected again. So if you were up there on one of those councilman's seats, how would you cast your vote to uh, get Atlantic City back on its feet again and uh, make it brighter, a uh, brighter future for everybody in Atlantic City? Uh, so so what, what's, what, what are some of your thoughts on how Atlantic City looks now and, and what would you have Atlantic City look if you were to build something? Well, if I built something, I would probably build something for the kids to enjoy something and for, the, for like the community. Okay. Good answer. Sound like you have a plan. Nice. Very good. So let's talk about some positive stuff right now. So you were talking about things for the kids, for the community, some playgrounds, that the streets are getting paved. That's all good stuff. It's about time using some of that, <laughs> some of that money, right? Man, Absolutely. It's nice. There's nothing better than seeing a community with freshly paved streets. Because when you see a pothole-infested town, that gives you a bad vibe, doesn't it? Um, you, you know what? There's a, there's a lot to be said about Atlantic City future and how this town could actually revitalize itself. We're making um, a lot of strides in, in a lot of areas like resurrecting the boardwalk from the basin to, to Margate. We're also looking at the infrastructure in terms of uh, the floodgates at Melrose and Annapolis Avenue. We're, we're missing out on a grand opportunity because a lot of folks don't realize Superstorm Sandy was a blessing in disguise. Um, the housing stock in Atlantic City was fairly about 55 years and older. So when the storm came through, that literally forced Atlantic City to basically take a serious look to figure out how we were going to rebuild. Monies were made available when 50% of the stock, housing stock of a town was, was old, right? And you, yep. that all of a sudden gave you access to monies, right? Yes. And at the same time, it gave us a, a serious look at what we needed to do from a, uh, a legislation standpoint. What's the one thing that excites you the most about Atlantic City? It's literally a blank canvas that's sitting on one of the most prestigious areas in the world. And everybody's uh, fighting over it, right? That's what that, it is, that, right? That, that's, the, that's the reality of this. And it's, it's kind of interesting how folks that actually live within the city don't actually understand how much of a gem Atlantic City is. Um, if you were to take an aerial of Atlantic City, you'll begin to really appreciate what natural resources and how this thing is set up. Folks don't realize that we're only 45 minutes away from Philadelphia. How fast do you drive, man? Uh, on any given day, I'm doing 65. Okay, all right, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's exciting. I, for some weird reason, I always drive my bike by Glenn's place, Glenn Straub, the Revel building, the property formerly known as Revel, and I go by it, and then I head down all the way to the end of the boardwalk where it gets really rickety and mm -hmm. kind of scary, and I, I, don't, I know by law I shouldn't be there because I will die. But it's really <laughs> exciting to watch the Army Corps of Engineers, those guys putting the seawall up, the big giant jetty rocks. That, I, I tell people, you got to get your butt down there because when you watch them building out and extending that seawall and the boardwalk, that makes you, that's the real proof that Atlantic City is rebuilding. Well, well it's also another thing that you can state that whenever a municipality puts a hundred and approximately $125 million infrastructure, that tells you that there's a municipality that's serious about re rebuilding itself. I don't know of so many places that are willing to put that type of money where their mouth is. It's just that it's such a disgrace that the media has basically not given Atlantic City a proper, its proper due. Um, I think that because of special interests for certain people, 
um, certain things are said and certain things are done. But again, I'm a firm believer that Atlantic City has all the potential in the world to be much greater than she once was. If you just read the papers or you see a little three-minute video clip or an audio clip in, in Philly media or New York media, you'd think that Atlantic City was a mess, but you ride your bike up and down every single street. You walk up and down the street, all the different neighborhoods and the boardwalk. You get pretty pumped up about Atlantic City, but you got to be here because the traditional media doesn't share accurately exactly all the great work and all the great stuff happening in Atlantic City. Right, and that's why I, I, I kind of it kind of stinks to know that the governor in the state of New Jersey was willing to pay $2.6 million for a financial analysis with Kevin Lavin, opposed to saying, okay, let's basically take $10 million out of that and create, create some sort of outlook or outlet to have some um, marketing entities like yourself and, and John promote the city. Yeah, so you're talking about John Hines. John yes. Hines is the guy behind Triax 57, the studios where we are right now on uh, Playground Pier, right in front of Caesars Pier on the boardwalk. When you walked in, you got to see entrepreneurship. You got to see development. And um, tell me your thoughts as you walked down, and I invited you in. Hey, uh, Frank, come on in and do AC Primetime Radio with me. You're thinking, okay, I'm going to do a radio show. But you walked in. What was your your first thought? It's a, to, be, to be totally honest with you, I went to Starbucks maybe um, – last Saturday, right? And I walked past, and I did not know that this actual studio was here. Um, but then when I walked in and saw beyond what was behind the doors, I'm actually floored. I'm actually more so, so excited that we finally have arrived and gotten the appropriate equipment and the appropriate people to do the things that I think that Atlantic City needs the most. It's people who know the, the city, people who know the landscape. And again, I, I couldn't be more um, astound by what's actually here. It's, 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 kind of, it's kind of interesting indeed to see, okay, you can have a QVC. You can have an Oprah-orientated, you know what I mean, segment here. You can have a, a, a weather forecast here. But I want to give we, John Hines and I, and we all want to give a, a show, a microphone, sometimes a video camera to people who don't get a lot of presence, whether it's Earl Harvey from Atlantic City Times, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe some community affairs shows, or, or maybe some folks that would never, like the Kevin Hall show. Now, he does a radio show on Friday night, right. Kevin Hall. But I, I think if you do something that's online and you record it, more people can hear it. There's a lot of voices in Atlantic City that don't get heard. They're not covered by traditional media. And it's important, and that's why I think that uh, you guys are on the cutting edge of something that's going to basically change the dynamic of the city. Because, again, um, one of the biggest issues that Atlantic City is facing is the inability to get a true voice out there and a true perception and a, a different perception in which uh, most of the, uh, the world sees Atlantic City. I don't hear you on the radio very much, only on occasion, maybe, you know, once in a while. Um, because I'm a no-nonsense individual. If it's not about something that's going to make a difference in the world in which I live in, then I'm not going to basically come on the radio. Um, again, I was taught that um, work is love made visible, and I'd rather go to work and do what I need to do for the city of Atlantic City than be in front of a microphone. We are talking to Frank Gilliam, Jr. He's a councilman at large for the city of Atlantic City. And my name is Mel Taylor. This is AC Primetime Radio Concerts on the Beach. I love them. They're great. Um, I know you have some thoughts about the concerts on the beach. Live Nation. They're coming in, helping. 
two concerts have been announced recently. We've got Toby Keith, and the other one is uh, Florida Georgia Line. Some have said that maybe we need a little more diversity on the beach in regards to concerts. Oh, you have better believe we need diversity because I can't dance to any one of those <laughs> groups, and nor do I. Uh, they're, fun- they're funky they're, a little bit, man. Yeah, Come they, on, they, man. There's something for everyone. And how, come, all- how come we don't have a big giant jazz festival on the beach? What's up um, with that? You're talking to an individual that's a jazz lover. You're talking to an individual that's a music lover. Like, I have nothing against certain genres of music, but you have to actually... Sweeten the appetite for everyone. You know, Kaleem Shabazz was saying, why don't we have a big, giant jazz festival? Because there are these big, giant traveling ones, and they're multi-ethnic, but certainly it's outside of the world of just pop, rock, and country. Well, I, I, again, I'm 45 years old. I still listen to R&B and hip-hop. Certain sections of R&B, sectors of R&B and hip-hop would be what the city needs, and I think that a part of the problem is that there's this misnomer that African-American music brings the wrong population. And if, if anyone knows that music is one of those things that bring everyone together. Um, if you were to bring a Beyonce here, you probably would not realize that there are more European Beyonce fans than there are African-American well, fans. Well, you know, so, uh, Janet Jackson was going to do Boardwalk Hall. She canceled. Beyonce would be huge. Michael Jackson, would Prince would have been great. Prince would be great. You can go down the line. Kim, you could talk about, uh, you could pretty much put any particular artists here because, again, you don't have to worry about who's going to basically patronize that event. Atlantic City is such a historical icon. You put anyone on the Boardwalk of Beach, you're going to have a grand time, and I'm looking forward to having grand times with all of the uh, acts, but again, one of the things that we stated last year that we wanted diversity. So tell us about your influence. How do you work with Live Nation? What have you requested? You brought up a few things before we got on the air that uh, these are some of the things that you would like to see happen this year with those live beach concerts. Well, well one of the keys was that when whenever uh, these acts came to Atlantic City, they never really mentioned Atlantic City. It was always under the auspice of a casino or something of that nature. Um, I, uh, I made sure that uh, this contract had in it that they would actually make sure that they promoted Atlantic City. They would not only promote Atlantic City, that some of these uh, stars would actually go to the Boys and Girls Clubs and things of that nature to you touch. Know, I, I think they'd be cool with that, but they were never asked, right? Um, exactly. If you don't ask, what, what's the saying? A closed mouth won't get fed? <laughs> so if you don't ask, you won't basically get what you're looking for. And um, that was one of the asks that we had. The other ask that we basically um, mentioned was that we wanted diversity. Um, Again, I have nothing against country or pop, but I'm an African-American, and I do need to have an African-American act come to Atlantic City to basically promote. God knows who made the bands, but I can guarantee you I wasn't at the table, because if I was at the table, you would have even how come, let let, let me show you how diverse I am. How come we don't have Bruce Springsteen? Uh, I'm wondering why. Why not? He's or, uh, or, he's so, a New Jerseyan. So Bon Jovi, Bon Jovi, bon Jovi. And, and Bruce, they would fill the they would fill that beach up. They 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 would not only fill the beach up, it would basically be an iconic event because we're talking about New Jerseyans that are known 
all over the globe. They might not be under contract with Live Nation, though. But that's where I have a kind of issue, too, because, again, we should not, as a municipality, we should not lock ourselves into just one entertainment entity, because just like anything else, there's no one specific tree. There's no one specific body of water. You have to actually have diversity in anything. What is keeping the city away from having the Live Nation stuff with the pop and the rock and the, and the country and all that, which is fine. They bring out 30,000. I know that Live Nation has to make decisions based on, they got to have 30,000. But what's keeping Atlantic City way, away from having another stage or having another promoter putting on smaller shows? Why do we not consider that? Um, that's a good question. I don't think that at, at this point, the stage in, Atlantic, in which Atlantic City is in, that we shouldn't be open to everything. Um, you don't necessarily have to pretty much have a 30,000, 15,000, 6,000 also adds value to the city. So, again, I, I'm totally open, um, as I told you before, that I'm pro-development, pro-business. Pro so, again, if it basically makes sense and it brings people to the city and we all can have a good time and enjoy ourselves, I'm totally open to it. Speaking of development, what do you think is going to happen when you finally start auctioning off some of that city property like Bader Field and the other parcels around town? Well, I'm opposed to auctioning. I'm 100% opposed to auctioning because the only way a city stays in the game is if they own land. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed to... Are you being forced to auction it off? I, I don't see why. No. I don't think that we're being forced to do anything. I just think that we're making decisions um, out of desperation. I don't think that we're looking at things from a long-range standpoint because, again, um, the only way that you begin to be able to um, create what you want in your city is you having land and you having a say in what you can do with that land. Once you give up that land, you, you lose all your collateral. Absolutely. You have no say. But um, but but by the same token, you certainly need some cash. There's a the other Listen, side of the argument, right? Yeah. Again, cash is definitely the issue. However, we need to be pretty much positioning ourselves so when we come out of this rut, by no means are we going to stay in this position. So again, if you're selling everything up front. Where do you have to negotiate on the back end? So the opening bid, if I'm not mistaken, for Bader Field is $150 million? That's what they say. I don't think What do you think it's worth? To be totally honest with you, no one knows what it's worth. And that's why you should not put anything up for an auction because it hasn't been assessed. I'm assuming there's a fear that what if somebody only just bids 75 by law? Does that mean they get it for 75? No, because um, the city always has a right to actually decline any offer. Um, but my position always was and will remain the same. I, I, I don't understand why the city nor the council decided to rescind the agreement that we had with the Allen brothers to put temporary baseball fields out there for children and family. In the meantime, um, that would actually help increase the value of uh, Bader Field because they would actually begin to pretty much um, – um, fill the soil in up to a level that would allow the next developer to come in to develop. So 
it, it baffles me to this very point to see so much hard work put into trying to get someone who had the interest of doing something like that. And now to say, okay, we rescinded that to go out to an auction not knowing that someone's going to buy it or not. I prefer to see thousands of families utilizing that in the interim until, in, until we sold it opposed to you seeing trucks and demo projects going out on, on a beautiful piece of, is of Bader, land. Is Bader Field buildable? How much work has to go into it until it becomes buildable? You, dirt alone, you're going to have to put $26 million in it. Um, that's, to, to raise it, to, to, to clean it up? To, or? To, to raise it, there's also... Are there any cleaning issues? Um, there, there, there are some environmental issues out there. Um, We've had a uh, we have had an engineering um, firm um, looking into that again. That's why you can't really put that partial out because there's so many um, unanswered questions. And that's on, because there that was partial. an airport on it, right? A absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And again, um, we we had we had the whole project tied up in a bow. Uh, DCA was on board, and everyone was on board to make sure that the city of Atlantic City could at least iconically show that we were becoming more diversified. And it's AC Primetime Radio. My name is Mel Taylor. We're talking to Frank Gilliam, Jr. He is the councilman at large for the city of Atlantic City. We were talking about Bader Field, and one gentleman who was interested, very interested in Bader Field, was a gentleman by the name of Glenn Straub. You may know him. I know Mr. Straub very well. He's a very good individual. He's good um, at what he does. But again, naturally, um, in this line of business, you don't necessarily have to see eye to eye with everybody that comes in front of you. Um, we had different we respect each other as human beings, and sometimes um, when uh, folks don't know the, the, the makeup of certain people, um, it takes time to develop those relationships. And I think he and I have a very good working relationship. Um, most folks in the media thought that he and I were at odds, never at odds with anyone who's basically bought such a uh, beautiful building in the city. We He's always, just being a businessman. Absolutely. And, and, and businessmen sometimes want to actually get the, the benefit that... Uh, covers their interests, and sometimes some folks have to basically say, it's not all about your interests, it's all about everyone's. Did you possibly get the feeling, and maybe Mr. Guardian felt the same way, that Mr. Mr. Straw was playing hardball or throwing um, you know, low balls at you, or maybe he was always threatening, threatening litigation? Is that sometimes a, could kind of sour the discussions? Well, anytime you come in and um, the first uh, conversation is based on, um, if you don't do this, then I'm going to sue. Is that the first? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that was the first conversation. Again, you know, Businessmen uh, do what they do to find their way to the best uh, solution for themselves, but at the same time, uh, there's a line of respect that everyone must uh, continue to have for each other. Can you bring me up to speed, bring us up to speed on AC Primetime Radio? Uh, Mr. Straub has already contracted with some company for some rope uh, obstacle courses, and they're, they're wet-sawling a whole bunch of the uh, wall uh, right there where there was a portico where people would valet park, you know, the back end of the Revel where uh, this leans up against the boardwalk. Mm -hmm. What do you know right now? What's going on with the Revel? Glenn Straub wants to open it by June 15th. Your thoughts? Um, by all means, I hope hope the gentleman the best at opening up Revel. Again, you know, um, that was one of my concerns, and always my concern is that making sure when someone basically comes and buys something of that magnitude that they open up, because opening it up brings jobs and opportunities for people to basically make a living. We're talking so. about uh, a thousand jobs, five hundred hotel rooms. I mean, Atlantic City needs hotel rooms. He has fifteen hundred in there right now that could be incredibly helpful to bring more bodies here. He's going to open up. He wants to open up. 
about 500 right now. Why is, when I say Atlantic City, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody, but why isn't Atlantic City as a whole, why aren't we going down there and giving that guy a hand? Um, well, we did give him a hand. Um, I think that whenever you have a municipality that says that they support the individual who owns that entity and are doing whatever is necessary to help him get that particular place open, um, that is a hand. I think that um, Mr. Schraub got that building pennies on the dollar. I think he has a great opportunity to make something great out of it. And even if it's not Mr. Schraub, he decides to sell it. The key is to have someone who can come in there and open it up. And I encourage um, and have all the best wishes for Mr. Schraub and the success if he wants to open it up in June. I would assume you went there. I mean, I went there all the time when it opened up a few years back. I thought it was an amazing place. Um, it was an amazing place. I think that the timing... And I also think that the city has to realize that um, this town is not uh, large enough for the number of gaming halls that we have. You think that's what it is, is that um, the, it, we're right-sized right now with casino gaming? I don't know if we're right-sized right now. I would say that a town that's only 48 blocks, you would only really need two. Um, but there, casino there, revenues are up maybe 40%. Does that not of, say that there's a little bit of, of uh, room would to be expand? Up. Of course they will be up. That's like, okay, you, you're now closing something, but all the stream of everyone else goes to the entity that's open. So I'm not sure if it wasn't the industry's intention on closing those places to make other um, holdings of, of their uh, of their company um, more lucrative. You think it'd be cool if uh, Mr. Straub just totally downsized the gaming part and just focused on attractions for families and water parks and hotel rooms? I think that would be ideal. Um, I think that all of those. You're good with that, Frank Jr. Yes. You sure you're good with that? Yeah. So what exactly? What do you want? want Mr. Straub is listening right now. You could tell him right now. What do you want inside the Revel? What type of attractions that are family friendly? Like maybe we can have like a bowling alley. Um, yeah, as you said, a water park and maybe an indoor indoor playground or something. Do you like the ropes courses, the obstacle courses? You you cool with that? Yes. Oh, how about a, a movie? A movie theater wouldn't be bad. Do we have uh, enough uh, money on the payroll to, to bring Frank Jr. in? Oh, um, Are we allowed to? Would I, that be totally well, inappropriate? Well, I, would, I would abstain from voting <laughs> on him because I don't want them to say that I'm favoring this brilliant kid okay. that I have. Okay. <laughs> Frank Gilliam III, what you're going to say next is of utmost is of utmost importance to the future of Atlantic City because me and your dad will be long gone and you'll be you'll be running things probably. So, what are your thoughts on the future of Atlantic City? Well, I just hope that it can be better than it is now and that we can have a big happy city. Are you thinking about what you're going to build with your architecture and your engineering background? Yes. And where are you going to go to school? Have you thought about that yet? Uh, not really. Is this the best portion of your take your kid to work day uh, program that your dad took you on today? Yes. By far? By far. And you're on the radio with your dad. That's pretty cool. All right. It's AC Primetime Radio. My name is Mel Taylor. Thank you very much, Frank Gilliam, Jr., Councilman at Large for the City of Atlantic City. Thank you.